Hey, I'm going to ask you, let's look in our Bibles this morning. In 1 Peter, it's going to be toward the end of the New Testament. Revelation, you have Jude, the three epistles of John, Peter. We're looking at 1 Peter. We're going to pick up in verse 1 today. Then we're going to move down, verse 6 through 9, okay? So we're looking here at 1 Peter. We're going to start at verse 1. All right, you with me? Peter, he said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And then we're moving down to verse 6. He said, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And the genuineness of your faith being more, much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom not having seen you love, and though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls." And let's have prayer together. Lord, will you bless this time? Help us as we understand your word. And may your Holy Spirit have a freedom just to move upon us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, it was about a year ago that uh, we lost uh, our chairman of our deacons. A year ago, about this time of year, that he passed away. And, and we certainly, uh, we miss him. And, but you know, right before we had COVID, I was up here and gave an invitation, and Clayton came down. And so, you know, they were in a transition period, and he, he understood that. Catherine, her health was just deteriorating, and so he was having to be able to help her. And so when he came up, here's what he said to me. He said, Brother Jim, he said, I want you to pray. He said, I just want to be able to honor God. And he knew he just basically expressed, it's getting tough. And he said, I'm just afraid it's going to be tough and I'm not going to be able to do that, but I just want to honor God. And I just want you to pray that I can honor God. And I just started thinking about that. I just had him on my mind. I was thinking about that and it reminded me of, of 1 Peter. Because Peter is writing to people. He knew that we're going to be facing some hard times, some difficult times. I read that first verse, and you may say, I don't, why did you read that first verse? What, what's there? Well, notice what he says. He says, to the pilgrims. Now, that word, your, your translation may say aliens, could say foreigners, but the ideal, it's, it's somebody that doesn't belong here that's passing through. And so Peter, has just, as he's writing to the churches, he's just letting them know, listen, this isn't your home right here. This isn't where we belong you're just like a pilgrim. You're passing through. So he's just kind of reminding us of that. And notice he uses the word dispersion, dysphoria. The Jews were moved from their homeland. They were scattered and made to, to, to be at other places. Now he it doesn't use, there's a definite article not there, so he's probably not referring to that. But he's writing to Christians and he's saying, as Christians, you've been scattered. Now, it could be because of persecution. 
about the time he's writing this letter, Nero is emperor. It's not certain if it's right before Nero started his persecution or it's right after, but it's right in that area. And you know, Nero basically wanted the slums gone from Rome. So it said that he started a fire. Well, Rome burned. He didn't, he didn't realize what kind of controversy it was going to start, so he needed a scapegoat. And so Nero blamed Christians. And so soon Christians then would be persecuted. And so it, this scene may have already happened, and Peter knew persecution was coming, and that was part of the reason that he wrote the letter. If not, it wasn't long after this that all this took place, and God in His foreknowledge was having Peter write to help prepare people because they were going to be facing some difficult times. Now, many people, because of COVID, and some just the things that they're that's taking place in their life, the transition... It's got tough. And so some of the things that Peter writes, you're going to be able to relate to. It's going to be fitting to your circumstances. And as Christians, it's going to get, become more and more difficult to be a Christian. And so this is going to be able to help us to be able to understand. And hopefully we can have this same attitude that Clayton had. We say, you know what? It may be tough, but I just want to be able to honor God. Whatever comes my way, I want to be able to honor Him. Now, knowing that, we, that problems are tough, let me remind you of a, a verse in 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm just going to read this to you, so if you want to flip there, or if you just want to listen, you can write it down and you can look it up. It's 1 Peter 4.12, but here's what he said. He said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing is happening to you. And so just because you're going through some difficulty, he said, I don't want you to think that that's strange. Because some people think, I'm a Christian. No bad thing's going to happen. And Peter's saying, when difficulties come your way, don't think it's strange. It is going to happen. So why is it that Christians, a pilgrim, is just passing through here, why are we going to have to go through some suffering? So let me just take a moment and just list for you. I've got three things. I want to make some comments on these. I made it simple, one word, but then I'm going to add to it. So if you want to if put some extra, you can, okay? So here's, here's some reasons why, as Christians, you're going to have to go through some difficulty. First, you're going to have to go because of sin. Now, let me just say this, okay, to start with. I'm talking about the curse of sin, to start You'll go through some suffering because sin entered this world. Adam and Eve sinned. They rebelled against God. They sinned. A curse was placed upon them, and they have passed that sin nature down through their descendants. Now, because the sin nature has been passed through, guess what? Death is coming. You have that sin nature, you will die. There's not a person here, unless the Lord returns... You're going to face death. That means disease. And so there's a certain amount of suffering that takes place. And you can't get out of it just because you become a Christian because you're still in this sinful body with this sin nature. And so therefore, 
you will have to suffer because of the curse of sin. Not only that, the earth, the ground, the plants, they were also victimized by the curse. And so there's a certain amount of suffering that comes just because of sin that takes place. But then there's also not just the curse of sin, there's the choice of sin. And because people choose to sin, there is consequences to that. And I want you to hear me on this. Every sin, innocent people suffer. So if somebody is intoxicated with alcohol or, or drugs and they're driving and they hit somebody, the person that was they hit may not have been doing anything wrong, but yet they suffer. They're innocent and they suffer because of somebody else's choice to sin. Now, listen, you may say, yeah, but if I do that, I'm not going to be out driving. Well, good. But hear me. If you sin, innocent people suffer. And you say, well, my sin's private. doesn't make any difference. Sin will change your attitude. It will change who you are. You know, if you say, I'm, I'm just looking at pornography on the, on the computer and I'm not bothering anybody. It changes your mindset. It changes your brain. It warps your thinking. Therefore, because it changes you, you're indirectly going to affect other people. Innocent people will always suffer from sin. And so your sin, whatever it is, you may think, oh, I'm not hurting anybody. You are. It's always going to affect innocent people. Then there's the corruption of sin. And here I'm talking about leaders. I want you to understand something. Corrupt leaders that sin, if they're leaders of a nation, they affect that whole nation. A community, a county, a city, they affect that whole area. Is it important that we elect godly people? See, not everybody gets to vote, but if you get to vote, and we're fortunate to live in a country where we can vote, is it important that we elect godly people? You better believe it is. Because sin by those leaders, we have to face the consequence from their sin. And so you can say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm living a godly life. Yeah, but if the corrupt leader is putting policies in place, then we have to face the consequences of those policies. And so sin will affect us. And then listen to this. Christians do sin. And so if you personally sin, then there's consequences to it. And somebody might say, hey, I'm a Christian. And so since I'm a child of God, that means God's going to let me get away with things. <laughs> no. Listen to this. The Bible makes it clear. God disciplines those that are His. If you're His child, you're not getting away with sin. If anybody's going to get away with sin, it's not going to be a child of God. So some of the things going on in your life, that may be the reason. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that everything going on in your life is because of your personal sin. I've already given you some, some reasons why things can happen. But I am saying there's some people that are saying, God, why? And they need to look and see how they're living. Because some of the problems that you have are consequences of the sins you're committing. And so that's one, sin. Here's a second reason why we're going to have some suffering. It's not just sin, but it's Satan. Now, if you've ever read Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 12, 
There it talks about Lucifer. That's Satan. And how that he rebelled against God. He wanted to be God. And so you need to understand something. Lucifer hates God. And so when you go to Genesis chapter 3 and you see the serpent, that's Lucifer. And he is there. He's not a friend. He's there because he knows they sin, it's going to bring death. And he hates Adam and Eve so much, he wants them dead. Now here's something you need to know. The devil, he hates you. You've been created in the image of God, and he hates you, and he's no friend. Now he's going to pretend. He's going to make things look good. But the truth is, he hates you. And he wants you out of the way. He wants to ruin you. He wants to kill you. So Satan, now if he gets a chance, just like with Job, he's going to do everything he can to harm you. And so some of the things that take place, you can, you can count Satan is behind it. And he, if any time he can hurt you, he's going to. And then here's a third thing, and that's the world. Now listen, here's Romans 12. One, here's what Jesus wanted to. Here's what He said. He said, don't be conformed to this world. For, conform means to be shaped. Don't be shaped by this world. This world, they do not like the Bible and God's Word because the world doesn't like to be told what we're doing, what we believe is evil and wrong. And so the world wants their own standards and now they want us to conform. Now, in America... We've been so fortunate that we had founding fathers that believed the Bible and the set aside godly principles. But now we've got people that wanting to go away from that, and they're wanting us to conform. And so bad things take place because we've got the world trying to get people to conform, trying to get us to conform. And the world, if you're living a godly life, they say, hey, you've got to stop that because you're making us feel bad. Or if you're trying to stand up for the Ten Commandments, they're going to say, you got to stop that, because we're not going to live by your rules. And now they want us not only to, uh, to allow them to have a freedom to do what they want, but they want us to be just like them. They want us to conform. Now the world will persecute us. Now there's more things, more ways of persecution than physically harming someone. You can do that with gossip. You can do that with rumors. You can do that with just making fun of. And you can say what you want, that words don't hurt, but they do. They do. And they cause people to want to conform. Now, you may say, wait a minute. If it's going to be tough, I might as well just give in. And that's where Peter comes into play here, because he's saying, no, you're a pilgrim. You've got these problems these are the problems that the people were facing. He said, you got these problems, but you're a pilgrim. You're passing through. And that brings me to the next point, and that's this. A pilgrim's growth. And you can count on this. God uses suffering. Glory at the revelation of, of Jesus Christ. By the way, before I get to that, here's, here's a third thing it does. It's to make us dependent upon God. Listen, here, Paul... In 2 Corinthians 12, he had a thorn in the flesh, and he asked God to remove that thorn in the flesh. And God said, I'm not doing it, Paul, because I want you to become dependent upon me. Because when you're weak, then I'm strong. Now, here's the truth. When do you pray the most? 
You be honest. Who is, who's the greatest prayer warriors? It's people that's gone through a lot. Because when you go through things, you can't help but to call out to God. And you began to seek God. Catherine Marshall, back in the 40s, her husband, Peter Marshall, he was a chaplain of the United States Senate. And she, she was bedfast for a summer. She was struggling. And Peter Marshall said, when this is all said and done, you're going to say, well, this, is, this was a, the best time of my life because I got closer to God than any other time. And you know what she did? She picked up something and threw it at him. Well, the truth is, he was right. Because during those times, we seek God. We pray more. And so God uses hardships to cause us to become more dependent, for us to seek after Him and to walk closer with Him. And then here's some good things. And that's that. I just finished reading then verse 7 where he's, he talks about that we may be found to praise and honor. And that's what we want to do. We want to be able to honor Jesus. So we have hardships. So we can add these characteristics, but then ultimately so that we can honor the Lord. You and I were made and we exist and left here upon earth so that we can honor Him. And so that's what we want to be able to seek to do. Honor the Lord. One of the greatest things as far as honoring Him is being able to tell others about Him. And so write this verse down. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. I just love this verse. And here's what he says. He says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, but always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, which with meekness and fear. If you're living for Christ during difficult times, people take notice. And people that will make fun of you, they may be the very ones that will come up to you later on and say, tell me about your faith. I'm just amazed that you can withstand this kind of persecution. You can go through what you're going through, and yet you still, there's something about you. Peter said, during these difficult times, you live for Christ and you be ready to share your faith. How many of you get calls on the phone from uh, solicitors? You get those on your phone? We've got a lady in our church, uh, Lita Kay, that's not been with us. Well, Lita Kay gets those. And so she wants, she said, Lord, I, I want to tell somebody about you. So if I call her up, she'll, she'll answer the phone and she'll say, let me tell you about eternity. You need to prepare yourself for eternity. And the next thing you know, she's telling you about the gospel. And if you listen long enough, then she'll finally say, you know, you hadn't hung up, so I may know you. And I'll say, oh, it's me, Lita Kay. Oh. Well, the other day, she went through this, and this lady said, you know, I need, uh, that's what I need to hear. And I need to make a decision. And she ended up leading this lady to Christ. That lady never did even tell me why she called, so I don't even know now. Now, I don't know how many of these solicitors she's talked to. I don't know how many she's gone through until she got to that one. But she led that one person to Christ. I was talking about Clayton. You know, all of a sudden, cancer came upon him. He didn't last very long. Went down to see him in Bowling Green, and there was a fella across the hall from him that he had talked to and he was concerned about. And so he asked me, he said, would you go stop and talk to him? So I went and talked to him. He sent Dickie over there, talked to him. 
Then he sent the chaplain. And the chaplain finally was able to lead this fellow to Christ. And you know, isn't that something? You know that you're dying. You got cancer. You got your own problems. And yet he wanted to make sure that somebody else knew Christ. See, we're pilgrims. We're passing through with a purpose. God uses our difficulties to help us to be able to grow. And sometimes it's to give us opportunities to be able to share our faith. You may say, I, I, I don't know that I need to get any closer to God. But somebody needs to hear about Christ. And He allows things to take place so that you can have that opportunity. A pilgrim's growth. So, summing that all up, what about a pilgrim's outlook? What are we looking at here? Well, a pilgrim's outlook starts with a settled faith. It's a settled faith. Notice that he says, whom having uh, not seen, you love. How do you, why do you love the Lord Jesus? Because the Lord Jesus is your life. You know what he says in verse uh, 19? Verse 19, he said, But with the precious blood of Christ as the Lamb of God without spot and blemish, the reason that you're a Christian it's because of the precious blood of Christ. Jesus has shed His blood for you. A person that's going to live like a pilgrim, a person that can keep focused and go through difficulties is a person that's had their faith settled. They know that they've been forgiven. They recognize, I, I'm a sinner, but Christ has died for me. His blood has paid that penalty, and they receive forgiveness, and they have that settled. You may have doubts. You, as you face, come to the end of life, you may have some doubts, and that's natural. But you began to look. And if you've really had faith, God will help you to get that settled. God wants you to be certain. He wants it settled in your life. And to be a pilgrim with the right outlook, that has to be settled. A settled faith. And a settled faith means this, a settled future. Earlier in 1 Peter, Paul, when he's writing, for example, in verse 4, he says, as a Christian, you have an inheritance that's incorruptible, that's undefiled, that does not fade away, that's reserved for you in heaven. In other words, you've got a future that's settled. Now, there was one time a man was crossing the street, had his little boy with him. He was just a toddler. And so he said, son, you need to hold my hand. So they held hands. They was crossing the street. Well, the traffic got pretty rough. And he knew that the way that they were going, they weren't going to get across there. So that dad just picked that boy up and carried him across. And they got across the street. He set him back down. And that little boy looked at his dad. He said, it's a good thing I was holding your hand. Well, the truth is, when it comes to eternity, it's not up to you and whose hand you got a hold of. It's if God has got a hold of you. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this in John chapter 10 and verse 28. He said, talking about His disciples, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And then He says this, and neither shall anyone, anyone, snatch them out of My hand. See, it's not you holding on to His hand. Because if it was up to you holding on to His hand, you couldn't keep it. 
It's Him holding on to your hand. It's a settled faith with a settled future. That brings me to the third and fourth points of the Pilgrim's Outlook. Now, the first one is having a settled faith and then having a settled future, which leads then to having realizing that God has a strategic plan. Look, we started in this first verse of First Peter where he talks about the pilgrims of the dispersion. That means people being scattered. And here we're talking about Christians. So Christians have been scattered. I'm sure that many of them are in places they didn't want to be. Many of them are probably wondering what in the world is going on. But you need to understand something. God has a strategic plan. In the book of Acts, when the early church, they all clustered there in Jerusalem. God had to allow some persecution to take place to get them to scatter, to be able to go out so that the gospel could spread. And God still has a strategic plan. He's still using the church, Christians, to be able to spread the gospel, to be able to uh, allow the good news to be shared. And he puts us in all kinds of circumstances, situations, and even specific areas so that we can be able to have an influence. Now, see, it's one thing for us to have a settled faith and a settled future, but there are so many people that don't have that settled, and they need to be able to hear from somebody that does. And so God, in a strategic plan, has it fixed where people can be scattered, where people can be in these situations to be able to make an impact. And so since that's part of his plan, and we as individuals are part of that, he strategically places us in certain situations. And so, listen, I'm not saying that God causes the events, all the events that takes place in our lives, but I am saying he's not surprised by it. And I also am saying that it doesn't keep him from fulfilling his purpose. And he uses all those situations and brings good out. And so in the situation you're in, God strategically left you in place so that you can be able to have an impact on someone else. And so you may be just like those individuals that Peter's writing to. And you may say, I just don't like where I'm at, or this is difficult, or I just don't understand. But when, you, when you've already had your faith settled, your future is settled, and then you begin to understand God is strategic, and you began to look around, you may be surprised that God has placed somebody specifically in your life that would not be there if this disease or would not be there if this adversity or this difficulty had not come your way. God is wanting you to be able to speak into their life and to be able to minister to them. And so, as we sum this up, we're pilgrims. We're pilgrims passing through. You're going to have problems but God's at work in each of those to help bring about our growth, but he's also at work in each of those to give us a special outlook so that we can be able to fulfill a purpose. It's the reason that we're still here upon earth. And so let me just take a moment now and just be able to have prayer with each of you. Lord, thank you for letting us be able to study this morning from this passage here in First Peter. And Lord, we are reminded there's a lot of reasons why there's suffering in this world and sin is a... Satan, and just the world itself, all play a part. But Lord, I want to thank you that 
you oversee all of them. And in our lives that you work to be able to help us to be able to grow so that we can uh, get closer to you, become more like you. We can learn to be dependent upon you. Lord, that we can bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ. And more important, we can share our faith with others. And we realize, Lord, that you want us to have our, our faith settled, our doubts overcome. You want us to be able to be certain about the future. And then you've got a plan for us to be able to make a difference and an impact on other people's lives. Lord, may you just provide today that peace. There may be somebody that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, and they realize today they need to be able to get that settled. May you help them to be able to give their life to you, to turn and repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, as Christians, may you help us to realize some, some people may have, instead of growing, may, may have become bitter. Lord, help, help that person to turn from that bitterness and release themselves into your hands and be able to trust you and be able to allow themselves to grow and you to work in the midst of the situation. Help us to be useful for your kingdom and to make a difference in somebody's life. I pray your blessings upon each one, and we ask this in Jesus' name.